The Wings Over New Zealand show is brought to you in association with the Wings Over New Zealand Aviation Forum, New Zealand's number one aviation discussion forum online. There you'll find discussion on all aspects of New Zealand aviation, from history to current affairs and thousands of photos covering the Royal New Zealand Air Force, airlines, general aviation, warbird restorations, air show news, sport aviation, home building, gliding, aviation media and much, much more. You'll be in good company with other aviation enthusiasts, including pilots, engineers, warbird owners and restorers, historians and authors, modelers, aviation photographers and many others. Sign up to the Wings Over New Zealand community now. It's free and easy. Just Google Wings Over New Zealand and you'll find the forum. Hi everybody, Andrew Gormley, CEO of Classic Flyers here. If you're interested in classic aviation and you want to get up close and personal to old aircraft and see some of New Zealand's aviation history, come across the Classic Flyers, Jean Batten Drive, Mount Monganui, right on the edge of the airport. You can go for flights in old aeroplanes like Boeing Stearmans and Harvards. There's lots to see. Kids' parties happening here all the time. We have functions and function rooms, business meetings, and a great cafe with excellent coffee. If you'd like to be involved with Classic Flyers, we also have the volunteer groups who do all things from helping out with function work or just on the main hangar floor with visitors and guests or birthday parties, right through to engineers who get involved in restoring some of our wonderful old aircraft assets. Currently at the moment, we've got a Grumman Avenger being restored and a de Havilland single-seat FB5 Vampire. These things are all part of New Zealand's aviation history. It's a great place and it's in a good location. Come and have a visit. Check out the website on www.classicflyersnz.com Extended Hi, this is Peter Johnson from Aerospace Radio Station Extended and we bring you some of Europe's best guests. He's, he's been something of, of an unsung hero of the American space program outside those who are, have made it their business to become aficionados of it. News. <laughs> some people will call you mad. Some people will call you heroes. Uh, uh, and everyone else is probably somewhere in that spectrum. It's, uh, it's an amazing project to, to pull together from literally from scratch. And views. You've got to pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and learn from that experience. And that's not an easy thing to do, Peter, learning from your own failure. So why not give us a listen if you want to hear about warbirds, aviation, and the aerospace industry? Come over and give us a visit. Aviation-extended.co.uk And remember, there's no E at the beginning of extended. Extended. The Wings Over New Zealand show would like to acknowledge the great support it's had from Fly DC3. You can fly back in time with Fly DC3 from Ardmore Airport, charter the DC3 Dakota and fly into the past. It's an experience you'll never forget. Fly DC3. Go to www.flydc3.co.nz Welcome to the Wings Over New Zealand show with Dave Homewood. Welcome to the Wings Over New Zealand show. I'm your host Dave Homewood. In this episode, I climbed into the cockpit of the Handley Page Hastings in the MOTAT workshop with 97-year-old World War II and post-war pilot Malcolm Flack. Malcolm reminisced about his flying career as he sat in that cockpit that was very familiar to him. 
Special thanks to Charles Darby and Steve Sabritsky for helping to make this interview happen. Here's Malcolm. I think we had a screen over the top. Oh, to shade you? Yeah. Yeah. Does it feel for pretty familiar though? Oh, God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, mean, I don't know how many hours I got on them, but quite a lot. I'll bet. Because I did a, a long time in the, in the RAF. Uh, we're sitting in the uh, Hamby Page Hastings cockpit at uh, Motat. Um, thank you very much to Motat for allowing us in here. And I'm sitting here with Malcolm Flack. Hi, Malcolm. <laughs> Hi. Now, you used to fly these aircraft, the Hastings. That's true. I flew the New Zealand ones from 1955 to 1959 to England back to Japan regularly to Fiji wow. and the odd other trips okay yeah and Malcolm was if I interrupt okay. Malcolm yeah. was saying in the car coming over here that he found the New Zealand Hastings more sprightly than the British ones with the uprated engines that oh, we right. had here. Okay. Yeah. I, I should add, uh, we've also got Charles Darby here with us, who's helped to arrange this. These are Centuras, I think, engines, whereas the Air Force had 1600s, and they were, I know, trying to take off one night from Ceylon. It's a long runway, but I was struggling to get over the palm trees at the end of the runway. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. The air was soggy and gutless, and the engines certainly didn't respond. Wow. Mm. Right. So I'll take you back to the beginning. Um, tell me uh, things like your full name, uh, your rank you got to, and your service numbers. Uh, I was a flight lieutenant, uh, ooh, seven seven five five one. I think was my New Zealand number. Yep. And uh, oh, I must have flown <coughs> a thousand hours at least on them. Yeah. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, how, when did you first join the Air Force? Nineteen forty-two. With the Royal New Zealand Air Force? Air, uh, the RAF. Oh, the RAF, okay. Yeah, I didn't join the New Zealand Air Force until 1955 when I came out here okay. from England. So yeah. where were you originally born? Uh, just south of London. Okay. Yeah. So you joined in 1942. Um, yeah. Tell me about the process of uh, where you went, what what you were doing. What? Uh, well, um, I when I joined up, we were called up, and we went to Lords in London. Then I went to ITW at Newquay in Cornwall. Um, then I went to grading school in Derby. Uh, then to Harrogate, um, not Harrogate, Manchester, Heaton Park, terrible place. Yep. Um, 
for Grady. I was lucky got through. I went on the Queen Mary across to America. I went to American Navy base Grow Seal which is just below Detroit. Yep. Flew the Stearmans. Then I went down to Pensacola and flew Volte Valiance and finished up on Catalina's okay. when I got my wings. I went back to England, flew Oxford's, then Wellington's and then Stirling's. The war finished. Uh, I took a sterling out to India and back. Uh, I also took one to Prague and back. Um, after that I went on to York's. I was the second diggy for a while till the Berlin airlift and I got my captaincy on the Berlin airlift. <coughs> As soon as the airlift was over, we converted to Hastings and flew them for <coughs> oh, two or three years. Yep. Then uh, I had a couple of accidents and thought it a, a good idea if I had a change. So I went into flying training command and did some instructing for a while and then my time in the Royal Air Force ran out. <coughs> I joined the New Zealand Air Force in London. They brought me out here and I flew their Hastings for four years up to 1959 and that was the end of it. Okay. <coughs> So when you were in the United States doing your training, yeah, that was Royal, uh, that was U.S. Navy training. Yeah, obviously because you were destined to go on to the Catalinas, or well, I should have done. That was the theory, but it didn't always work out. Okay, okay. So <laughs> well, was it was that a bit tricky being Royal Air Force being trained by U.S. Navy? Were there a bit? No, of, no. They no, went went yeah. to different uh, regime or no, we just went through and it worked yep. and to get your wings on Catalina's was really something because it's so totally different uh, from other pilots getting their wings on Harvard's and Oxford's yeah absolutely yeah so the Catalina part, was that just for the training or, or did you carry on with Catalina no. as, as just the training? I came back to England and converted on to Oxford, which was a bit tricky, but uh, once I got the hang of landing on something solid, it uh, worked out all right. So, so when you went on to a squadron, which squadron did you go on to first the, with the Wellingtons? It was a Sterling squadron. Oh, the Sterlings, yeah. Uh, I think it was 299 or it could have been 296, I'm not sure. Right. 
Yeah. Hmm. And was that Bomber Command or? Trin, uh, that was 38 Group Fighter Command, but they were, that was just a number and they'd been on D-Day and Arnhem, but that was long time before I got there. Right, so the actual role that they were doing was dropping paratroopers and or tow, towing gliders? Or yeah. Yeah, towing gliders. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Okay. I've towed gliders in the Stirling, the Horsa. Yeah. Uh, did you tow one at a time or two? One. One, yeah. I know. <laughs> I remember one time we used to um, tow gliders and the ATC, that's the Air Training Corps, used to nip on board the glider because they just got airborne, went round to the end of the runway and dropped off. But one time they climbed on the glider and I did a two-hour cross-country and they were very Tom and Dick. Because <laughs> the, uh, the gliders were horrible to ride in. Oh, yeah. They'd get all the wake turbulence from your aircraft, wouldn't they? Very probably, yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> I didn't go in the back. I was up the front <laughs> driving, towing them. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, and so, did you actually drop for any operations? Did no. You know? it, the war had finished when I got operational. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Right. And so then you went over to the, um, was it the York next? The I, after the Stirlings, I went as second dicky on Yorks for a couple of years but it was good training because I was able to convert very quickly to captain's job. Just a matter of moving out of that seat into this one. Right, right. Did you enjoy flying the York or, or, or what about also the, the Sterling? Did they compare? The Sterling was very manoeuvrable once it got off the ground. Yeah. It was a bit of a bitch on the ground right. because of its long undercarriage. Um, the Yorks, because the um, rudders were behind the engines, uh, taxiing was no trouble at all. <laughs> in fact, you go too fast in the damn things. <laughs> Uh, and but the York was a nice aircraft to fly. I didn't really fly it as captain for very long. Just a few. I did a hundred lifts in on the Berlin airlift, and then it finished, and I converted to Hastings. Right, right. Well, can you tell me about the Berlin airlift? What was that actually like? <laughs> well. It started off in 1948, I think it was, and um, the 
I can't. Oh, it was the British sector of Berlin wasn't being fed because the uh, Russians wouldn't allow food in there. And uh, <coughs> I started off as a second dicky. Uh, and then I did various ground jobs and then I went back to UK, did my captain's course and did a hundred odd lifts as captain. Yeah. Okay. And it was quite tight timing to get in. But very good, very tight. You had so many aircraft in a box and they used to go off at about four minute intervals, I think, in the box. And then they had to be cleared and came back to uh, Wunsdorf with the base where the Yorks were. And you had to fly at certain levels because there was always other aircraft, uh, 500 feet difference. Right. You, and you had to keep your eyes open because you were flying over the Russian sector for uh, aircraft that were not identified on the radar. Yeah. Right, okay. Hmm. So did you ever see any Russian fighters or anything like that come up? On odd occasions. Yeah. Okay. Mm. But they kind of did they leave you guys alone or did they harass you? Oh no, they they kept out of the way. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Well, so it wasn't worth them really causing trouble. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So a hundred of those that's a that's a heck of a lot of um, flights in there in that stressful environment. It was. Yeah, um, it only was an hour from Wunsdorf to Berlin. I think was only an hour. Uh, it was an hour in, an hour back. Yeah, okay. I think that's it. I don't think the trips were very long, but uh, you did two lifts on your shift. I can't remember whether they were 12-hour shifts or 8-hour shifts, 12-hour, I think. But where were you flying from? Woodensdorf, which is near Hanover, into Berlin. Okay, yep. You had certain paths, and we were using the uh, northern uh, lane into Berlin. And we came out the central lane. Wow. Yeah. It's an amazing time, really, and just to, for someone to have come up with that idea to put all that together. Oh, it was fantastic. Yeah. But it worked very well. There was the, I was flying Yorks, the Hastings were up the top and came down the. Uh, northern chain we used to go or channel we used to go up to the channel and then turn down it to uh, get out 
and then straight out the middle uh, area to get back to base. Right. Mm -hmm. okay. mm. And so after that you you say you converted onto the Hastings and yeah. was that much of a conversion going from the uh, well I suppose you'd already been on radio engines before but going to the a long time ago but it somehow it, it wasn't difficult going from inline to radials I mean they were in engines and they supplied the power yep. whether it was radial or inline yep. um, at odd places when you had uh, <coughs> excuse me um, inline engines they did tend to cook a bit on the ground whereas the radial engine didn't Interesting. That's at the top of the Red Sea at Shiba, where they sometimes had to tow the aircraft out to take off point. Okay. Mm. Yep. Yeah. So you'd tow out, then start up, so it didn't overheat. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay. You just started it up and chested the engines and were off. <coughs> so, whereabouts uh, around the world were you flying in the Hastings? To, where were the most exotic places you went to? UK to Singapore. Uh, we come Malta, Habania, Karachi, Salon, Singapore. Sometimes we went up to Hong Kong. I have been up to Japan when the Korean War started. Mm -hmm. I took a platoon of the Argyll and Southern Islanders from England up to um, Japan and they were went across to Korea. Okay. <coughs> so with the Hastings itself, tell me about how many were in the crew and what did everybody do? Well, there's captain, second dicky, navigator, radio, engineer, uh, and the air quartermaster. The air quartermaster is responsible for the cabin. Okay, so he looks after all the um, the weights and balances of yeah. the cargo and counting off the people and all that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, feeding the people and the crew and that yeah. sort of thing, yeah. Okay, so it's what they, these days they call a loadmaster, I guess. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and you never got a decent cup of tea because the higher you went, the water boiled at a lower temperature. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it was always cold? Well, not nice and hot like a cup of tea should be. Yeah. Mm. Wow, interesting. Mm. Um, did you do parachute drops out of Hastings? Yeah, at Abingdon I did the parachute uh, course. I never jumped out myself, mm. but uh, I've had people jumping out and it's very tricky to get Hastings down to 120 knots or less because you're not 
very far off the strolling speed and um, <laughs> you the uh, you and you pull back uh, number two engine so there wasn't too much uh, turbulence from that one here yeah. they mostly dropping out of that door yep. Mm, yeah yep. on the port side yeah 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 that's uh that's something I hadn't really thought about is the speed of paradropping, yeah. but that's actually really interesting. So mm. it wasn't really the ideal aircraft for doing it. Well, it was okay, but it you just had to keep your finger out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, did you ever do any sort of uh, fly pass or display flying at all? No. 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 Well, there was no occasion that necessitated it when I was doing things uh, there was one big one but I wasn't involved in it but I can't remember what it was okay it's yeah. probably the coronation or something or could have been yeah wedding or something like that yeah, yeah. yeah. coronation probably I was more likely watching it on TV yeah. <laughs> in the mess. <laughs> <laughs> so how many aircraft did you usually have in a squadron for Hastings? Was it a big squadron? To be perfectly candid, I don't know. Probably about 12. Okay. But it may be less, I don't know. Right. Whereas here in New Zealand we only had the four, didn't we? Yeah. And, and then one got crashed. No, you had five and one got pranged. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. That's right, I think. I don't know. Yeah. Was it? It was four. Yeah. Was four? Yeah, Charles. Yeah. I had a feeling it was five, but still. Four is a better number, really. Yeah. Could well have had an RAF one on. Yeah. Temporary. Yeah. K.B. Smith was a pranger. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But where did that happen? That was... Um, Darwin. Darwin, that's right, yeah. I knew it was in Australia. I reckon that was finger trouble. Oh, okay. Mm. And you weren't, you weren't anywhere near that one? No, well, theoretically, um, I think he was on the way back from London and it was the time when I was on the boat. It's amazing I hadn't wasn't on the aeroplane, probably because I got two kids. Right. And then I was on the uh, boat. Right. Mm. But I was at the time coming to New Zealand. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. Mm. So did you? Um did you find much difference between how the Royal New Zealand Air Force operated compared with how the RAF was operating as a transport squadron? To be perfectly candid, I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. um, I think things would be a bit a lot easier here than they were in the RAF, but that's just talking off the back of my head because I don't 
know or at least I've forgotten. Right. You're probably right though, because there's a lot smaller chain of command to go through and yeah, um, yeah, less bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Well, because, but still, I mean, you were still called by a family name, not Christian name. Okay. <laughs> though you did know some of them. Yeah. But you never called them. Well. I think you never called Right. But I mean, uh, I remember Tom Danahar, he was one of the other skippers. Jim Bayliss was another one. Yep. Ron Chivendale was another one. Oh, right, okay. Mm. He's the one that went on to become the air accident investigator. Yeah. Okay. He was air accident then. Right, okay. Yeah. So, um,. Were there many sort of wartime pilots um, still flying then in the 50s here when you... I guess some of the senior ones must have gone through the war. Some of the senior ones. Um, our wing commander, I can't remember his name now, but he had been operational <coughs> because I'm sure he had the DFC and some some other gone. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <coughs> And so here, I guess, uh, with the Royal New Zealand Air Force, you were working mostly with Army, taking them places, um, doing drops with them, maybe? Where? In the New Zealand? Yeah, well, in the New Zealand Air Force, around the... I was mostly flying families from here to Singapore or right. wherever they need to go, Fiji or... London, yeah. Right, because we had a lot of bases around the place in those days. Yeah. Lothala Bay and Singapore. You used to go to England to get spares and um, people and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've heard that uh, the, the engines often, you'd have trouble on the long routes. You'd often be known as the the best three-engine aircraft in the in the Air Force with the Hastings. Is that true? Or? I only had one engine fail on me, and uh, that was no, 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 no. Um, I'm thinking of the Royal Air Force. Okay. Um, I did have an engine. Fail on takeoff from Karachi, but um, I kept it. And well, there was at the end of the runway there was a wall, and I didn't want to go through it. So we kept the engine going, even though it was damaged, uh, and got safety speed yep. and. Uh, we were able to calm away on three engines <coughs> and then come round and land. Okay. And I think a sleeve or something had dropped on it, and uh, as a result, that was why it had failed. Okay. Yep. They were sleeve valved engines, and it was what had happened to it was a known fault. 
Not that it happened no, very often, but it was an ownful. Yeah, yeah. mm. So when you um, when you came to an end with the Air Force in 1959, did you go on to airlines or continue flying anyway? <laughs> no, I went into primary school teaching. Oh, really? <laughs> I should, if I'd had any sense, gone to Air New Zealand or Teal, it was known in those days and continued. But uh, I thought I'd been away from home so much, and uh, the wife had been looking after the kids that it was a good idea if I stayed at home a bit, and that's what I did. I've regretted it since, but. <laughs> there you are. Yeah, exactly. You do what you think is right at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So, um, being able to come here to Motat and and sit in this aircraft again after all these years, and you will have flown this particular aircraft, wouldn't you? Very probably, yes. Yeah. Probably a hundred or two hours. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. quite a quite a um, <laughs> reunion of pilot and plane. True, yeah. <laughs> Just a shame that the rest of us not here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all in the dump. Yeah. <laughs> Is there any um, stories you can think of that I should ask? No? I think he's covered most of them. Yeah, pretty well. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe if he had any incidents on the Transport Command Hastings. Mm or anything that he can remember that he liked or disliked about the aircraft or the squadron or the people. Or yep, yep. Mm. He's told me some fairly hairy stories of Ralph Hastings crashes, but not that he was involved. Okay. Yeah. What was that? <laughs> he he's, um, was wondering about when you were in Transport Command and the, and the Royal Air Force, <laughs> um, about various crashes that you've told him stories about, um, not necessarily that you were in, but... Well, uh, one... When landing at Malta, I touched down and I think the tail was down and that tire suddenly blew. Okay. And I managed to keep the aircraft straight for a while, but it was a hell of a drag. And we landed up in the grass and uh, the people in the back of the aeroplane thought we'd landed on the grass airfield oh. <laughs> <laughs> but and then another time this is a bad one um, it was in the canal zone it was six o'clock in the morning it was black as the ace of spades and foggy and because I just had the crew with me I was going back to Malta to pick up some people and I got a Master Green rating I decided we should go even though it was pitch black and foggy as hell so 
we got in the aeroplane, started up, taxied out to the end of the runway, did all the checks and things, got permission to take off and we were lined up with the uh, line on the centre of the runway and I was taking off on instruments keeping straight but at the same time looking out the front just to make sure that <coughs> the white line was where it should be yep. and we were getting up to nearly take off speed when I look up and there's a set of lights coming across the runway in front of me. Mm. Bugger all I could do. I mean the throttles are pushed out and even if I chop them I ain't gonna stop. And it turned out to be it was an RAF regiment picking up the guards on the aerodrome there was a lack of control between the lorry and the air traffic control anyhow bugger all I could do we unfortunately hit the back end of the lorry uh, it was well, it was, the tailboard was round that undercarriage. It was, bits of it was still there when I landed. Um, and I didn't land back at the base there. I carried on to Malta for my stupidity. And <clears throat> the tailboard was round there and there was a, hole underneath the wing where something had gone through. Unfortunately, the bloke sitting, well the driver sat there and there's a bloke sitting here and he got a, a propeller blade between the shoulder blades but it didn't do him any good. But that was the only bad thing about it. But uh, I gave up transport flying after that for a while and uh, went to the Flying Training Command. Now when you were in the Flying Training Command, what were you flying there? What were you teaching on? Harvard, Oxford's, <laughs> and then I went on to Meteors. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, why I went on the medias, I'm buggered if I know, but I had a good time on them. <laughs> That's a bit different from transport. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, what, uh, with the medias, what, what were you actually doing? What was your role in that? As in teaching people how to fly them. So, it's a two seat, uh, two uh, trainer medium. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, very. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I bet you love that. Yeah. <laughs> did, did you have any scary moments while you were teaching people? Because I've heard that uh, often it's more dangerous in the training command than it was in, you know, the operational commands. 
it was only dangerous with some of the thing, the stupid things I did, <laughs> like chopping a an engine on a Oxford when we're coming up to a bunch of trees right. because an Oxford didn't fly on one engine. <laughs> And the result was? Well, I put the other one up quickly. <laughs> oh, wow. um, when you look right back to the beginning, uh, uh, what did you think of flying the Stearman? Was, did, was that a good aircraft to train on? I think it was, but I forget. Right. I think I had some problems with it, yeah. yeah. It's a bit bigger than a, a Tiger Moth, wasn't it? A bit heavier. Well, heavier, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Oh. <coughs> um, and yeah, with the with the actual squadron uh, transport squadrons, was there um, was it a good camaraderie and and, and oh, very good, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. I I was on the squadron at uh, Lynham or Abingdon. Okay. Yeah, but I don't remember any sort of squabbles or anything. It seems, if I remember correctly, things went along quite well. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And I was also thinking uh, in the earlier days when you're like on the Yorks probably and maybe the early days of the Hastings mm -hmm. uh, there would have still been a bit of rationing in Britain I guess and I just wondered if when you guys went overseas did, did you bring stuff back that you couldn't get at home for people? Well that was only at the beginning I remember bringing uh, fruit home for my wedding but that was in 1946 uh, so we were able to have a fruit cake for the wedding ceremony. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. that was very hard to get, that sort of thing, wasn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. yeah. But strange enough, there was tons of it in Malta, but none of it in England. <laughs> or very, very little. Yeah. You just went down to the... Oh, that used to be something, I mean... You fly out of England to Malta, and a lot of the chaps used to go down for steak and eggs in Malta. Right. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, but some did. Okay. Mm. Right. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Well, it sounds like you've had uh, quite an interesting career there. And oh, very varied. Yeah. 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 From from the Stearman to the Catalina to the Meteor to the big <laughs> big four engine jobs. That's pretty. Yeah. Good. Oh, it's mostly a heavy person, anyhow. Yeah, yeah. It was only <coughs> on the late, uh, last, latter few years when I was in flying training command that I was flying lighter aircraft. Yeah, mm. yeah. okay. Mm. Well, um, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to <laughs> sit here with you in the cockpit of a Hastings and <laughs> <laughs> hear some great stories. Yeah, fair enough. Cheers. A lot of rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> that was the Wings Over New Zealand show with Dave Homewood.